Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. It's actually like draft season now. Uh, I'm actually drafting and doing one of my home leagues as we speak because that's what happens when a lot of folks like wind up in a bunch of redraft leagues. But now I'm excited to be able to talk AFC North, finally get to my 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 division, like for my Bengals. So no, happy to d- talk with you both about it tonight. Jen, how you doing? I am well. I am, uh, like you, happy to be at the drafting part uh, to stop talking about who we're drafting and actually do it. Uh, yeah, other than that, I'm uh, status quo around here, Brandon. How are you? I'm well as well. And I like that you're both well. I, I think it's very formal. It's it's very interesting. Like, you're not good. You're not, you know yeah. what I mean? You're not bad. You're not tired. It's grammatically you're correct. You're yes. well. And I like yes. that. I like that. I, I enjoy the formality of the well response from the three of us. So uh, all of us well today. I'm doing well <laughs> as well. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to talk these divisions, excited to talk to just the two of you. I feel like uh, I love guests. Guests are awesome, but uh, you guys are my buddies, so I like chatting with you guys, so no. I'm excited to do that. Come fresh off my home league uh, draft over this weekend. I will try not to uh, uh, lament too much about my draft, but... Uh... <laughs> lament? Was it not good? It was good. It was, I, I went in, I liked my team, but I went in and did the complete opposite of what I planned well, on that's, doing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, because because guys were there that I didn't expect to be there. Yeah. So yeah. That's how it goes. Uh, this week, we're going to talk AFC and NFC North, as Chris alluded to. Uh, we're going to try to get this in under an hour. It's going to be tough because we're doing yeah, two divisions. Uh, mostly, I want to get it in under an hour because I got like 10 Best Ball Mania 3 entries that I got to... Uh, I got to get back to drafting God right now. So I have a shot at that $10 million in prizes. Uh, Jen, talking best ball a little bit, talking underdog. Uh, since we're talking AFC North today, how are you approaching that Browns quarterback situation when you're drafting these best ball rosters? Very specifically, how are you approaching it on underdog in best ball mania? So <clears throat> throughout the course of the summer, um, I did draft uh, – some of the the Browns QB situation. No Deshaun Watson. I have not taken one share. I will not take a share of Deshaun Watson. However, I did take Jacoby Brissett um, earlier in the offseason, kind of before we knew what was going to happen, right? It was kind of like, okay, Deshaun Watson could potentially miss the entire season. He could miss three games, six games, ten games. We didn't really know, right? So I did draft some Jacoby Brissett at that time. Really good like super cheap. You can pair him, you know, with Amari Cooper, you can pair him with, you know, David Njoku, you can pair him with Chubb or Hunt, whatever. So I felt like he was kind of in a, in a good situation there. Now that we're at this point, now that we know kind of where the writing on the wall is, I'm an avoid of, of all of it. Um, I just feel like there's better options. Um, particularly, you know, an underdog, if you want to draft him as your QB three, if you're kind of in a situation where you didn't go with an elite, uh, quarterback and you're scrambling and you're and you're doing a three quarterback build sure you can grab reset if you want to hold your nose and, and and draft watson that's fine that's up to you <laughs> um i am not um and i would say in you know I, I know we're talking underdog best ball mania right now but i would say just for the listeners and you know in, in redraft there's just no reason there's way too many quarterbacks and there's just no reason to even look at either of them yeah, I agree. And uh, in three quarterback builds, every once in a while, Deshaun Watson will be my third quarterback. And I always kind of do a little Whoa, when I do it. But, uh, you know, just because at the end of the season, you know, if you need that little push, then uh, he might be able to provide that for you. But uh, I'm with you. I'm I'm not. I don't think I have a single share of Jacoby Brissett in uh, best ball. I just don't think he's going to give any of the spike weeks. I don't think it's going to be good. Uh, I hear Twizzler. Um, yeah, he's th- w- here. Would Twizzler like to comment <laughs> on the Cleveland quarterback situation? It sounds like he it thinks like they should have traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. He That's has something to say. Like. Yeah, he's got something to say here, as always. Perfect timing. <laughs> Uh, Chris, shifting over to running backs over at best, over on best ball right now, uh, Alexander Madison is going in the 12th round on underdog right now. Uh, there's actually like a little extra wrinkle with Alexander Madison, since there's rumors that he might be available for trade and that some teams are calling and that Minnesota is listening since they're struggling to get a contract extension in place with him. Uh, so first off, do you, um, are do you have any Madison from the 12th round? Is that an area that you're looking at him? And then additionally, uh, how do you approach these high priority backups in best ball at that part of the draft? Like I'm talking uh, Alexander Madison to a, to some extent, Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, all those guys. Uh, how do you approach that? And then Madison specifically. 
Yeah, I was hearing the chatter about Alexander Madison, and like I've heard similar rumblings over the past couple of weeks just about they've got Ty Chandler, Kenny Nwangu, like from that they drafted last year in the fourth round, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, but so they have other options. But if I remember, if also if memory serves, I mean, neither of those guys are the same size as Alexander Madison. So I am at least somewhat, I don't know, confused by the rumors like surrounding him being traded. Because if you wanted a player that could possibly uh, like recreate like what Dalvin Cook does, like as not just a rusher, but also a pass catcher, Alexander Madison is like a one for one like replacement for him because we've literally seen him do it like over the past couple of seasons. So I can understand Madison wanting out just because we have seen him have at least a, let's say our RB1 like skill set when he's been given the opportunity just hasn't had like the full season's worth opportunity to do it. So I get why he would want to do it, but from the Vikings standpoint, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, but as for the archetype of player that you can get, like with Alexander Madison, uh, typically he's the guy that I would want as my RB3 or RB4. Uh, using one of our, uh, our roster construction tool made by our Sam Hopkins, uh, Sam Hoppin, director of analytics here at 444, uh, looking at what, like how many running backs like you should uh, draft and in particular, any particular draft on underdog, 17.1% uh, like playoff advance rate, which has been like one of the highest for five and six running back builds. So if you want to sandwich a guy like Alexander Madison, like towards the middle or back end of your, your running back builds, he'd be the perfect type of guy that I would want a player that has, if you're already starting off with like two solid running backs. So let's say, even if you go two early running backs, so if you start off with, I don't know, Deandre Swift, Joe Mixon, or, uh, even if you grab like a, you start with a running back in the first couple of rounds and you grab like an AJ Dillon in like the sixth round somewhere in there, but then having a guy like Alexander Madison, who has at least somewhat standalone value, at least the, the thought process would be that they mix them in at some point throughout the season, not as much as you would in AJ Dillon, but at least has some standalone value. But then of course, if Dalvin Cook were to miss some time, which he has over the past couple of years, you know, you have a built-in locked in uh, running back one, like at your disposal. And then of course, like whatever else you want to tack on afterwards. So at least for me, the research shows that having a guy with that archetype of player. So like an Alexander Madison, but then also a insert Khalil Herbert-esque type running back here. Like those are the types of guys you want to have that provide not just a standalone value, but then the upside to vault into the top 12, like should they get the opportunity. Excellent. Excellent. Target him as your RB3, RB4 territory for that upside. I like it. Just a reminder, Underdog's Best Ball Mania 3 gives out $2 million to first place. $2 million to first place this year. If you haven't already, head over to 444.com slash underdog. Find out how you can get a free 444 Pro or DFS subscription, plus a deposit bonus match up to $100 with a new Underdog account. So before we get to our main topic, Chris, I heard that you have an update from Charlie the Bacon Guy. Yes, yes. Charlie reached out to me uh, actually just earlier today asking us, like his favorite fantasy football analyst, uh, in order to figure out like if we can roast his squad. Now, those are his words, like not mine. He wanted to at least provide the context like for this particular team that he put together. Uh, he made a bunch of trades like before the draft in order to get to where he was at, a couple of keepers involved. So he didn't really have like the same player pool that most of us would have, but kind of walking down like through the roster itself. I and mean, we got Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill uh, as his quarterbacks, Adam Thielen, Jamar Chase, you know, solid wide receivers to have. I see Saquon Barkley there, see Ramondre Stevenson, Dawson Knox, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, overall, just looking at some of the starters he have on his on his team right there. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, it's a solid squad. I mean, given kind of like where he was at regarding the trades and other keepers from other uh, other teams that were in his league. I mean, what do you guys think? So a few comments to start. <laughs> so no, number one, uh, Charlie, uh, you don't have Mike Gesicki or Tyler Higby on here. So you're in good shape already. Jenna already proved. in good shape. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> D Dawson Knox, I think, is fine at the tight end position. Quarterback, I think you're good. Burrow and Tannehill. Uh, Thielen and Chase, obviously, we love. Uh, at the running back spot, you're really just hoping things work out, right? There's a lot of upside there. Barkley Stevenson and Clyde Edwards. -Alaire. A lot of downside, too. I'd be active on the waiver wire as the early season gets going. Make sure you grab those upside potential players at the running back position to back them up just in case things go sideways and you've got my, one of my darlings Devonte smith so uh, i like the team especially considering uh the context with which you provided it jen where are you at uh yeah i mean there's a few things you know i think that uh i mean Superflex is is difficult uh you know obviously ryan Tannehill is not ideal 
um, as a, as a, as your QB two. I see you have Daniel Jones, which actually might pan out better than Tannehill uh, eventually as the season goes on. So you might be all right there. Um, you may want to look to uh, the waiver wire and see if you get you know someone emerges that maybe has not been taken. Maybe I assume that, stash Malik Willis, right? Maybe yeah, just or something like that, um, just in case because Tannehill I think is is possibly on borrowed time. Uh, but the rest of your roster, I think, is fine. I mean, I don't see any, like, you know, major holes uh, without knowing, you know, how it went and the rest of it. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a it's a horrible team. I think you can I think you can contend with what you have going on. So that's it. I mean, there you go, Charlie. I mean, you got you got our two cents, like from your squad, given the context that you provided. I mean, I, I mean yeah, there's definitely some depth issues there. Uh, but I think overall, I mean, it's definitely something you can work with like at the start of the season and what Brandon said, uh, I'll echo his sentiment sentiments as well. I mean, you'll definitely have to work the waiver wire, but for week one, I think you're pretty much set to be quite honest. Yeah. Good shape. All right. Let's get into the AFC North. Uh, Jen, why don't you, uh, start us off? All right. Let's, uh, let's start with the Cleveland Browns. Everybody's probably least favorite team, unless you're from Cleveland. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure that, uh, you know, I don't know. Cleveland just, there's just not a lot to be excited about from a fantasy perspective. Uh, they sure into- got unlikable, didn't they? Quite yeah. Fast. <laughs> well, I mean, not only, you know, from a fantasy perspective as far as the different, you know, but then just the whole Deshaun Watson thing, it's just kind of, it's kind of a gross taste um, how all in they went. And I don't know. It's just not ideal. But anyway, um, as far as fantasy components, let's get into it. Um, we already covered quarterbacks, so let's go into the backfield. Uh, we have Nick Chubb, who, you know, has fallen this season. I, you know, listen, you, everyone knows I love Nick Chubb, biasly from Georgia, but I do love him as a, you know, a rusher. I mean, he's arguably the best pure runner in the league, right? So, for some reason, I guess because of PPR reasons or, you know, everyone has their things. But Chubb has fallen quite a bit this season. And, um, you know, you've got him and Hunt who has requested a trade, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen or maybe it will happen. We don't know. Uh, you know, Brandon, are you how are you feeling about these two guys? Are you buying the dip on Chubb? Are you buying the dip on Hunt? Are you avoiding both? Are you in on both? Well, what you got? Yeah, I'm buying the dip on Chubb, and I am buying Hunt. Hunt doesn't cost you a whole lot. He's right in that running back dead zone. He's going to catch passes. Jacoby Brissett can dump the ball off. That's something he can do effectively. I think that uh, Kareem Hunt is somebody who is a buy for me. Some of the other portions of the offense I'm a little less bullish on, uh, but I think they're going to continue to lean on Nick Chubb. That offensive line is still a top-five unit in the league, and I think that they're going to be able to produce in that regard. Uh, The defense should be good as well. So if Jacoby Brissett can avoid turning the ball over, there should be enough uh, space for Nick Chubb to eat. And I think he's going to continue to be good. He's a lot like Derrick Henry in the way that we keep discounting him because he doesn't catch passes, but he keeps turning out top 10 RB1 numbers anyway. So I think the talent is there and is good enough to continue to have to roster him, especially back into the second, early third round where he's going. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm buying that dip. And then, uh, you know, Hunt will continue to put up Hunt numbers, I think. Sounds good. Let's switch over to wide receiver because, like you said earlier, we've got eight teams to get through, so we're just going to kind of keep keep it moving. Chris, uh, wide mm-hmm. receiver wise, right? You got Amari Cooper. Um, you have, uh, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones. You got Anthony Schwartz, who had a horrific preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he had like eight drops or something in the first, or in, in you know over three games. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Still but got a ways to go. Right, but Stefanski has claimed that that he's not being cut, so he will be there. Uh, you know, how do you feel about Cooper? Are you in on him? Are you in on any of the other guys uh, in that wide receiver room? Cooper, I think, should be fine because yeah, his problems in Dallas, uh, I mean, albeit the, the injury concerns and whatnot, which was actually one of the reasons why they got rid of him. Jerry Jones saying what his availability was one of the reasons why like they wound up cutting bait. But I do think he was miscast as trying to be like their primary like X receiver. That's really not his game. That's why the Raiders kind of soured on him. I mean, has a varied skill set. I mean, he can win at both the intermediate like and the and the short areas of the field and deep if you need him to. But if you're looking for a guy that can do all of it consistently, that was never really Amari Cooper. That was never really his game. I mean, look at Matt Harmon's reception perception for years. I mean, he's been able to create separation on most of the routes, but trying to force him into that wide receiver one role, just not a thing. 
Uh, so if you have a guy that can at least play that X receiver role, like for Cleveland, which can be DPJ, which the analogous wide receiver for that in Dallas was Michael Gallup. Like once they had like Michael Gallup and he was playing off of him, then sure. Like everything was fine. He can be efficient. He can be explosive. And so if Donovan Peoples Jones can be that for Cleveland, okay, fine. Like I'm, I'm with that. That can at least create or at least allow for efficient types of concepts like for Amari Cooper to be at least useful in fantasy. I don't know at least where he's being drafted right now. Where is it like fifth, sixth this round, like somewhere in there that might be, that might be a little pricey for me, just given how few times we think that the Browns are actually going to be like in the red zone and how efficient of a total offense they can be. But if he were just maybe, I don't know, like half around, like later somewhere in there, I could buy into the fact that he should lead his team in targets and they should be efficient targets, assuming that, dpj is actually the x receiver that we wanted to be and then we can kind of go from there but outside of that not really into donovan people's jones at least the the hope would have been that if the nasty man would have been under center they would have been targeting him more downfield and things would have been fine david bell like glorified like a big slot receiver like not really all that interested in him either so it's really i just want the guy that can at least be semi-efficient with the touches that he gets and for me that's amari cooper Okay. Um, one guy that I am somewhat interested in is David Njoku. I feel like, you know, this could be his breakout year. I feel like it, he could be in a really good spot to just get a lot of dump offs um, from Brissett. Brandon, are you, how are you feeling about Njoku? I mean, he's cheap too. So. Yeah. He's one of my favorite targets where he's being drafted, right? Like he's uh, after like, to me, there's like the top like 15 or so tight ends after you get past the Zacherts, Cole Komet, Pat Fryermuth, I start to kind of think all the available options are a little bit gross. So David Njoku is right in there, and he tends to be kind of an automatic for me on situations where I don't get one of my tight ends that I actually like, right? So uh, he's free. He, he doesn't cost a whole lot. So the fact that they committed so much financially to him, it makes me think that they're going to be able to do something uh, you know, to, to help him maximize that value. It helps that Austin Hooper's gone. This is probably the first season we've seen in a while where he's the unquestioned guy at the tight end spot. And Jacoby Brissett, I, I like that short middle area of the field, which I think is where Njoku can probably thrive. I don't think he's going to stretch the seam uh, like some of the big play big play tight ends will, but I do think those uh, short targets that he's going to get, he's going to be able to rack up enough points in PPR. And I think he's going to be a, a more solid tight end and more consistent than he's been in the past. Agree. I'm in. Chris, why don't you uh, talk about your favorite team? Well, all right. So let's go ahead and get into it. I think for, for the Bengals, I think the biggest question for me at this point, cause I want, I'm not going to sing Joe Burrow's praises. I mean, it's cool to have a franchise quarterback uh, that's actually like one of the guys like in the NFL, like as the leader of, of your squad. That's cool and all. But I want to I want to hear your guys' take, because as of right now, where is he being drafted at on underdog? Like QB seven, QB eight, somewhere in that range. So being drafted with the guys that are typically the ones that have a bit more mobility to their game, that have at least a safer floor, like from a fantasy standpoint, where we know they can create like with their rushing ability. Joe Burrow doesn't necessarily have that. Maybe he might with this offensive line upgrades, but we'll see. So Brandon, do you think he's being overdrafted with knowing what he brings as a passer and possible, I mean, I hate to say the R word, but possible regression coming his way? Is Joe Burrow like overpriced? I mean, I'll, I'll leave you to that. And then I'll just text all my Cincinnati friends to come like bury your, bury your mentions for the next few <laughs> days. So I'll tell you what, he slipped a little, right? So I wrote a whole article about how uh, I did a whole video essay, wrote a whole article about how Joe Burrow is overpriced. Like it's been a big uh, commentary thing that I've had all off season. Uh, part of it is a little, little bit of a, a bias, right? I had him in a lot of redraft leagues last year and he was, he was tough to have in redraft leagues. He was very up and down. He'd win you week and he'd lose you a week so that was really frustrating uh right now he's in the seventh round uh a little better than the sixth round where he was going a month ago trey lance has leapfrogged him still he's going ahead of russ wilson he's going 13 picks a whole round ahead of tom brady he's going uh almost two rounds ahead of dak prescott i just would rather 
wait another round or two and get one of those guys or even a few rounds later and get Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers. If you're looking at an archetype like Joe Burrow, which is someone who doesn't run the ball a lot, I know he's got a little mobility, but he's not what you think of in a Konami code quarterback specifically. If you're looking for that archetype, you can get one of those guys that's almost as good, just as good, maybe even slightly better depending on uh, how the season goes a couple rounds later. So I have very little Joe Burrow on my uh, rosters. I have none of them in redraft leagues and very little of them in best ball. And the best ball is really just because I draft so many best ball leagues. I have to have a couple Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow stacks. <laughs> I mean, there's no way that you could avoid it at that point. It's almost like right after you click Jamar Chase, if you have like the 104, 105, 106, it's like, all right, where's Joe Burrow at? Let me go out on underdog and let me go ahead and queue him up, put the star, you know, click the star and just like make sure that I click him like once it's, it gets within reasonable amount of his ADP. But I got I got I got to share this with you because I got oh, yeah. in, a, in a Pomeranian, which is their three dollar tournament. Yeah. I got from the eight spot. I got Chase, and then I got Mixon, and then I got Higgins. Oh my! And gosh. then in the sixth round, I got. I mean, you had to. You, yeah. you had to. You had to. Yeah. 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 But uh, Jen, I mean, over to you. I mean, where where do you think this entire offense, like for the Bengals, sits at? I mean, because it starts with Joe Burrow at the top. I mean, do you think that he can really be like that guy? And then kind of, I guess, expand on it by kind of how does it filter down to the receivers? Can Jamar Chase be the prolific wide receiver that he was in his rookie campaign? Or do you see T. Higgins kind of playing a larger role like this season? But what do you think from Joe Burrow on down? It's tough because last year we kind of didn't see it coming and then it came and now here we are and it's like, what do we do with it? Like, can this happen again? Um, it's tough because they're both, both Chase and Higgins are expensive in, in underdog, in redraft, however you, you know, are drafting, they're both expensive and we have to, you know, decide like, can, can Joe Burrow support both of them? You know, and then you also have Mixon, who's high. I mean, he's a you know first to early second round draft pick as well. And so it's like, is this offense really capable of doing this again? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope so for everyone that's drafting out there. Uh, you know, I've I have my fair share of all those guys. So I guess the answer is yes. I'm banking on it, but I'm not. I can't say I'm a hundred percent confident in all of it. Yeah, I, and I I completely understand. Like my optimism, like for Cincinnati, is that despite the regression, because they they were living off of explosive plays like last season. If I remember correctly, Joe Burrow had the most touchdowns on twenty air yard passes, or like twenty air yards or more passing, like last season. I would expect that to regress, but can he just be as efficient? or be just as efficient on shorter passes. And he winds up creating at least more touchdowns like that way. And like getting back to his similar totals, like from last season, it's possible, especially with the offensive line upgrades, they could wind up passing a bit more, seeing a bit more play action because if I was Joe Burrow, I wouldn't want to turn my back to a defense anyway, because I don't think I have like at least even a half second to turn away from a defense, like with the offensive line that they had last season. So it's entirely possible uh, at least for them to at least incorporate a bit more creativity into that scheme uh, in order to make things happen for the passing game. But speaking of the passing game, uh, I mean, Brandon, back to you. I mean, where are you at? I mean, uh, regarding the, this Chase Higgins, I don't want to say it's a debate. I mean, if you want to throw in Tyler Boyd on the back end as well as like which wide receiver from Cincinnati you want to target, I mean, you might be kind of locked into taking Jamar Chase just based off of where you sit, like where your draft slot is at. But if you had to choose, I mean, draft slot agnostic, where are you at like with this uh with the, the trio the three kings of the afc yeah North? yeah so chase is fourth on my list just because i'm abnormally high on cd lamb but uh i i but i like chase right and i have a lot of chase i've taken him a lot at the back end of the first round uh i don't have a problem with that i do a lot of chase lamb chase adams builds i do a lot if chase slides often he doesn't slide but uh if he does slide i often do that uh when t higgins was going as a high second rounder i thought that was a bit a bit much, but now that you can get him at the turn, get him in the early third, then I'm kind of on board for, for T Higgins now. So I like all of them at cost. Boyd is free and he's going to be valuable uh, in all formats In redraft. He's going to be good by week filler. I think that they're going to continue to throw the ball pretty well. I think that offensive line is going to be better, which I think is going to help Joe Mixon too. They've got three new additions on the offensive line, uh, all in the interior portion, which is uh, where their problem area was uh, that, Oh, I'm sorry. No, Lyle Collins is a, t is a tackle. So they've got him on the right. Right side, but they've got uh, a new center, a new left guard, 
new right tackle. I think that the offensive line is going to be better. If Jonah Williams starts to show what we saw in college and starts to develop, then I think that there's going to be more protection. Offense is going to be better. Uh, Joe Mixon is the guy that I think is probably the safest option because Chase had the boom weeks and he was a little inconsistent, especially if you're looking at redraft. I, I love the guy, but you know, if we're nitpick, if we're picking nits here, right? Picking if we're picking nits, nits between right. uh between Chase and the other big guys, Chase and Cup and Jefferson, I think that Chase, you're gonna have more feast or famine weeks, whereas uh some of those other elite guys maybe less so. So that's kind of where why he falls a little in best ball, I'm a little more bullish grabbing him. Mm-hmm. Redraft, I think I I, I, he, he falls a little to fourth or fifth on my list, but, uh, but Mixon, I think is, you know, once those top five or six, you know, four for four has him ranked sixth. Once those top five backs are gone in the first round, like Mixon's one of the safest guys I've got at the 12, 13, 14 spot. Like I, I love taking Mixon there. He was third in the league in yards last year, third in the league in attempts. He was tied for, or I'm sorry, he was fourth in the league in touchdowns. He, I think he's going to continue that kind of production with a better offensive line in front of him, and the offense will continue to hum around him. So if, if there's anyone I'm excited about, it's to be back on the Joe Mixon train after being a, a hater last year. Hmm. Yeah, and I, like, I've always had my concerns with Joe Mixon, and it's always pretty much like been associated with their offensive line. Also, his third down usage has been like something of a concern. They've been just as apt to bring in Samaji P. Ryan and have him, you know, run a route. And we'll see if this Chris Evans thing becomes a thing, actually, like this this year, uh, now in his second season. But overall, I do think now, like you just mentioned, uh, like with his track record so far, he is at least in a better situation like overall if the offense is supposed to be more efficient if the offensive line is supposed to be better and give him a little bit more push we could see at least heights for joe mixon that we just haven't had in previous seasons so i think it makes sense yeah i think so jen why don't you uh go on to one of the two remaining afc north teams one of two i get my choice um, well, I, <laughs> it's, it's that pretend thing where I'm pretending I that I didn't write. This and I'm show pretending that yeah. I'm a choice, but I'm going to go with the Steelers. How about that? Woo, All shot. right. Yay. Um, yay. Wait, no. Okay. Well, no. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk about the Steelers. Uh, I guess we always have to stop at start at QB, right? So the, uh, the, the, the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger is gone. We're looking at, you know, we're looking at Trubisky. I think as the starter at this point. I mean, that's where it seems it, to be it's leading. It's less secure than it was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, are we are we even bothering to even look at either of them to draft? I mean, I guess in in super, you know in best ball and superflex, I guess you kind of have to keep them in consideration. Uh, Brandon, are you drafting either? In two, in two quarterback leagues, I'm looking at them because they're available late. And I usually get them both because, uh, again, it's a two quarterback league. And it's when I'm playing quarterback chicken. Uh, if I don't nab two top guys later because early, because I do think Mitch Trubisky is going to be good. And uh, if he starts and I do think that uh, when Kenny Pickett takes over, I think that the weapons are in place there. The offensive line stinks, but the weapons are in place to be good. And if you look at what Kenny Pickett does well. He processes the defense well. He gets the ball. I mean, he's got a lightning fast release, like Dan Marino uh, level release. Like it's it's another pit guy, right? Uh, so those are things that will do him well, passing to really good receiving options on a team with a bad offensive line. I think that that might be the thing that gets Pickett the job sooner than maybe it would in a different offense is the fact that the line is bad and Pickett's going to get the ball out faster, much faster than Mitch Trubisky does. So uh, I'll grab them both in Superflex. In best ball, if I need a three-quarterback build, which is not often for me lately, uh, Pickett's the one I'm grabbing. Okay, that's fair. Um, moving on, speaking of you know poor offensive line, move on over to the running back situation. you got Najee Harris. Uh, you know, he's a first rounder still, I believe, on underdog. Uh, you know, I, I know that <clears throat> we've got him and then uh, we've got Jalen Warren seems to be emerging as the backup, who is a guy that I've been targeting super late in best ball because I think that uh, we got to do that. So, Chris, are you uh, have you been drafting Najee Harris where he is going or are you fading Najee? No, I I think in all of my best ball drafts so far, like this uh, this season, I have zero uh, Najee Harris. 
I'd rather I'd rather place my bets on guys that are going shortly after him. So to give me like the DeAndre Swift, Aaron Joneses of the world, uh, even the like wide receivers, because uh, they at least have at least a bit more upside, at least a uh, better case to be taken at their ADP than Najee Harris. Uh, it's not him. It's not hating on the player. It's just the cost associated with said player. And also just I get that he gets targets. And that's all fine and dandy, but they're wildly inefficient targets. They're at they're at or behind the line of scrimmage, which was kind of my thing against uh, my reasoning for drafting a guy like Saquon Barkley this season. Because if you're not out actually running routes and it's just like dump offs, like from a like fairly poor quarterback, which is the case for Najee Harris, not just last season, but then this season as well, then what's that really getting you? I mean, you're going to get the half point for him catching it. And then nothing afterwards because he caught it at the line of scrimmage. He's not getting any yards for it. So okay, fine. Uh, if that prop is if that proposition is like if that's what you like, then okay, fine. But I would prefer my running backs to actually be getting targets downfield, which is the case for DeAndre Swift, which is the case for Aaron Jones, and not for Najee Harris. And like you mentioned, with that offensive line, if I'm remembering correctly, our own Justin Edwards had them ranked as one of like the bottom three, bottom four offensive units like in the entire league based off his rankings throughout the off season. So yeah, it, it, it might be the worst offensive line. Of it wouldn't surprise it me. It wouldn't surprise me if that's how he, if that's how Justin ranked him. but overall it's just, it's not worth it to me just based off of the other running backs that are going around him that I would just rather, I'd rather make the bet on them instead. I love Harris. So, so screw all you people who don't like <laughs> I, Harris. I um I like Harris. I drafted him in Scott Fishbowl. Like he is my he is my he is my hero RB in Scott Fishbowl. So I'm certainly hoping that I uh, I, th- I, I think he's massively uh controversial. I feel like half pe- half the people are way in and half the people are way out. And all the arguments Chris made are really solid arguments. They're all really solid arguments. But I you just can think also he's gonna get the ball a ton. Yeah, you can also see it go the other way. Um, let's get to the pass catchers. Uh, we've got, you know, Deontay Johnson, who unfortunately got hurt this weekend. Uh, he left with a shoulder injury. Oh, that's uh, the other thing. Yeah, Najee Harris, he's got a list Frank injury that he just I know. Like, now, randomly that's, a, that, that's definitely a problem. Yeah, that's like, who does it's fine. It's oh, fine. Yeah, my my foot was busted a few fine. weeks ago. Yeah. Just he, something he, I Ian Rappaport did say he's a, he's expected to be okay for regular season play, but yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> house fine. on fire, dog in house. It's totally fine. fine. It's all fine. It's all totally, totally fine. <laughs> so yeah, you got Deontay Johnson, who is you know still fairly expensive, uh, you know regardless of quarterback situation, uh, and now he like I said he has a hurt shoulder. Then you have that next tier. You have Claypool, and then of course we have everyone's favorites. Uh, training camp slash preseason darling George Pickens, uh, who you guys know I, I've been drafting since March. I, I was drafting him before he even had a home. So uh, I love George Pickens. I've watched every every snap in college, and I knew he was good. And I'm glad that everyone else is finding out that he's good uh, now, uh, including the NFL teams that passed on him uh, in the draft who didn't think he was good or whatever, off-field issues that are whatever. But yeah, so anyway, you've got that. Um, I think that I'm not sure ADP wise if George Pickens has officially passed Claypool at this point, but uh, Pickens is is I think going in like the eighth round at this point, which yeah, he's expensive now. It's kind of nuts um, considering the quarterback situation. I think the future of George Pickens is fantastic. I don't know about this year. Uh, I think he'll be fine this year, uh, but if he continues to go up as the week goes on, maybe not. Um, did you guys have any thoughts on any of the of the wide receiver situation there? I'm buying the dip on Claypool. I think he's going to get end around work, and I think he's going to uh, still be a solid part of the offense. So I, I'm buying the dip on Claypool. Uh, Pickens is getting too rich for me. I, I'm with you. I'm I'm very excited to have him in dynasty formats in, in redraft. I uh, I don't want to pay for him. Yeah, hundred percent. That's where I'm at with Pickens. It, Great prospect, uh, and of course the Steelers hit on yet another freaking good like wide receiver yeah. prospect like in the you know in the draft. But with the price going the way it is, connected to either one of those two quarterbacks, no, nah, I'm good. And then Fryermuth, same thing. I mean, he's still relatively cheap, I think, compared to you know. Fryer I know that Muth, I'm kind of I'm fine with. Uh, yeah. he was what? Um, if I'm remembering correctly, offhand, he was like top five, top six amongst all tight ends in terms of red zone targets just last season, and he only played yeah. like and he only played like a full complement of snaps for let's say like 13 or 14 games. 
So if he was used that way, and also we were actually seeing him, what, they just played against the Lions yesterday in preseason? And he was still being used that way, like with Mitch Trubisky on the field. So if yeah. he's already still has that role in the team, yeah, I'll take Muth. Why not? The Muth is Luth. Yeah, and he's going right around Cole Komet. Like, that's where he's going. So he's he's available pretty late. He's my my second tight end in a lot of builds, and he's also my uh, first of three tight ends in a lot of builds. Yeah, um, yeah. Jen, do you remember why you and Justin and I call him Harry Fister? Because I don't no, remember. No, you know, I think I just couldn't remember his name. We were we were doing a <laughs> pod, and he was a rookie, and I, I don't know. I have no – I think I called him that for some reason, and then yeah. it became his nickname. But it doesn't resemble his name in any way, shape, or form. It, so it makes no sense, but I love it. It makes no Chris, sense, but I think that's what I called him for some yeah. reason. Chris, you is, don't know this, but that we have like a, a group I've heard chat. this, but I don't know the origin. Yeah. Jen it, yeah. and Justin, I think – I actually think one of us called him Harry Fryermuth, and the other called him Pat Fister. Maybe <laughs> – Accident. We got his name wrong, and now it's Harry Fister. So every time he scores right. a touchdown, at least one of us blows up the other. All caps, yeah, Harry, all Fister. Cap, Harry Fister. Harry touchdown. Fister touchdown. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's become his name. <laughs> all right, let's talk Ravens. Let's talk Ravens. We're uh, we're thirty three minutes. We're not doing too bad. Let's let's breeze through the Ravens here. Uh, you know. Later on, we can skip the Bears. No, I'm just kidding. I kid, I kid the Bears. Uh, Ravens, uh, any reservations about Lamar at his ADP, Chris? Uh, you're my quarterback guy. Lamar Jackson, uh, really the fourth quarterback off the board. That's kind of been his ADP. He'll cost you uh, like a fourth, fifth rounder usually. What What's your thoughts on Lamar Jackson uh, coming off kind of an injury-plagued season? Yeah, no concerns, uh, at least as of right now. It looks like just given the way that the team is constructed, the types of players, like the types of offensive linemen that they win, they win in the draft, like linemen that allow them to do some of that like pin pull like type of stuff that they were doing, not last year, but the year beforehand when they were more run heavy. And then also the fact that they retained or like not retained actually, but wound up getting a guy like Isaiah Likely in the draft so they can run more like two tight end sets. So it kind of, doesn't necessarily alleviate the fact that they don't have like a primary X receiver or at least an X, an X receiver in the sense that he's going to be running like a ton of just like deeper routes. They've got Rashad Bateman to cover the immediate intermediate parts of the field along with Mark Andrews, but they don't really have that deep threat. We'll see what Duvernay and all those other guys that can possibly do. But Lamar himself, if they move somewhere in between where they're at, what 12th overall neutral pass rate versus like 31st, they can find some happy compromise, still be efficient. Lamar still does his thing on the ground. Then, yeah, I think Lamar can still be like the top five, top six quarterback that we've known him to be. Because hopefully he stays healthy and they're just not plagued by injuries like they were last season. You got to think they got to they gotta be healthier. Like they can't be as unhealthy as they were last year. Um, that was, yeah, I don't know. Like if they built M&T Stadium over top of some sort of Indian <laughs> burial ground or something like that. And that's why like the things happened the way that they did. But I was like, yeah, it was, it was wild. Had to be. I mean, I took two snaps at running back for them last year. So yeah, you might as well have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jen, at running back, Gus Edwards starts the year on uh, the PUP list. So he's out at least the first four games of the season. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, uh, not a guarantee for week one, but sound. Sounds like he's trending in that direction. Is he a uh, target now? Because he's right in that. He's another dead zone running back with Gus Edwards out of the picture, at least for the start of the season. Are you targeting J.K. Dobbins? I mean, in theory, he should be a target, but I'm not. I just I don't trust it. And I'm not targeting Mike Davis either. I've seen people taking him and that's not happening for my for me either. I just rather avoid the whole situation altogether. Merk, that was my next question was who should we uh, who should we be looking I mean, at? With listen, I. Out? I will say I do have um, I do have one share of Tyler Beatty um, in uh, in Scott Fishbowl. I took him in like the second to last round at the time. It's like you know both guys were you know Dobbins wasn't a sure thing at that point. Um, I know he's not now either, but he was really not a sure thing then. So um, I think I'm just avoiding that whole running back room altogether. There's just there's other options out there, and I'm just uh, I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I, I get that. That makes sense. Uh, Dobbins, I really like his touchdown potential because he scored on seven of eight attempts inside the five two years two years ago, which is better than Lamar, better than Gus Edwards uh, in that same season. So I'm, I'm interested in Dobbins for his touchdown potential. Chris, uh, you talked a little bit about Rashad Bateman and uh you know the 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 question marks around that receiving core uh bateman is is a twitter darling people love bateman uh i loved him coming out i, I he's one of those guys that i am trying to remind myself to trust the talent more than the situation because he was my wide receiver too in that draft and so i really like him but uh, uh 
is he worth the cost? Because he'll cost you a fifth rounder. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay up to get Rashad Bateman. And he's very much a speculative buy, as you would say, of the stock market, because he hasn't produced and we don't know yet. So we're paying that cost for him, assuming he's going to uh, elevate his game. Yes, and I do think that he is at least worthwhile at his cost because just in the few games that he was one on the field healthy and Lamar was on the field and healthy, he was he primarily played outside, but he was 12th amongst all receivers playing in a similar role in terms of air yards, 20th in yards after the catch per reception, 23rd in yards per route run, uh, an efficiency set uh, that both like uh, Sports Info Solution tracks as well. So it's like he was efficient. He was capable of creating after the catch and he was actually like earning targets, like earning air yards. Like, and that's the thing that we want to see like for our receivers. So if he was capable of doing that in just a few games, he was on the field with Lamar. Now you spread that across an entire season. Lamar is healthy. He is healthy, able to actually get integrated into the system. Because remember, he came into the season hurt. He had that what core muscle or hernia sports hernia surgery that sidelined him for the first six weeks of the season. So now with that ability to actually be a part of the have a full off season like with the team, yeah, I'm 100% on board with him being the wide receiver that we expect him to be. Now, does he have much ceiling with where he's being drafted? That might be a tall task considering we're drafting a receiver attached to a team that we know wants to run the ball more. But I mean, this is what's this is what happens to receivers anytime like Matt Harmon gets a liking to them that they always just wind up like shooting right up the, you know, right up the ranks in terms of ADP. So Mm -hmm. it happened with Allen Robinson and happened with Tyler Lockett. And now we've got Rashad Bateman. Like it's, you know, it's happening all over. Ridley too. Calvin Ridley was Calvin Ridley. uh, So uh, yeah, it happens every time like Harmon starts liking a a receiver, which I mean, if you get the Harmon bump, you're probably on my list too. And I think Bateman has the tools to do it. So yeah, I'm in. I like it. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. Uh, Jen, Mark Andrews, uh, far and away, tight end one last year. Phenomenal. Uh, going early second round, mid-second round sometimes in drafts right now. Is he worth that lofty ADP? Because to me, he's going to have to be a lot better than Pitts, Kittle, Waller, Hawkinson, Schultz to justify drafting in the, around the time that normally we're drafting Travis Kelsey. Is he worth his ADP? We know he's good. Is he? Is he that good again? I mean, I don't know. I hope so for people that are drafting him. I, I haven't taken a lot of him because I'm. I just he's pretty pricey. Um, I will say though, I did draft Isaiah Likely with my final pick hey. um, yesterday in my home league because I drafted Pitts and I wasn't going to take a second tight end because it's redraft. And I was like, eh. And then sure. I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, I didn't love who was left. It was you know pick round 18 and I was like, screw it. So I did take Isaiah likely because I think they may end up using him in two tight end sets and, you know, God forbid something happens to Mark Andrews. Um, he could actually step in there and, and maybe produce some, you know, fantasy tight end one numbers. But um, as far as Andrews goes, uh, you know, he should have the volume and he should be fine. Uh, he just scares me a little bit for his price tag. I'd like him a lot more if he was a third rounder. I feel the exact same way, Jed. It makes perfect sense. Nothing against the guy. A lot like Chris talked about with Najee Harris. Don't hate the guy. hate the cost. That's how it works. Uh, let's shift to the NFC North. Uh, Jen, are you willing to kick us off again? I am willing. Uh, let's see. What am I doing here? Oh, let's go with the Packers, shall we? C- completely uh, <laughs> spontaneous. <laughs> um, no, I will. I mean, for me, yeah. Okay, yeah, let's go Packers. Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, It's it's – it's kind of baffling to me that the reigning NFL MVP and whatnot, I mean, he's cheap. I mean, he's cheap. Like he's going late. And and I just, it's amazing to me. I mean, I understand the concern, right? His, his big dog is gone. Devontae Adams has gone to the Raiders. He doesn't have that guy anymore. So people, I guess, are that that's why, you know, they're dropping. I, I know that, you know, his, his last year, weird, COVID, toe, all the stuff that happened. I don't know if that seeps into people's brains too. And they're fading him for that reason as well. I don't know. But anyway, you got, you know, you have Rogers. I feel like, um, I feel like he's going to be okay. Like, I feel like he's just the kind the type of quarterback and the type of player that's going to be fine. Like, I don't know why people are, are I guess, fading him, panicking. Uh, Chris, are you, since you are the QB guy, um, do you feel like the dip is viable or valid or are you um, scooping them up when you can? Uh, do I understand why people are 
uncertain about his outlook for 2022. Yes. It's the same th reason why Patrick Mahomes has dipped. I mean, if you lose a wide receiver in the same vein as Devontae Adams, think about like if Devontae Adams was in the slot and it was on third down, that ball was going directly to, Devont to Devontae Adams. I don't care how many defenders would be over top of him. It didn't matter. Aaron Rodgers is going to target him. And that mind meld that they had between the two of them, it was like a Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin of old, like type of mind meld, like where it's just, it didn't matter. Or Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown. I mean, insert good quarterback with prolific wide receiver here. So I get it. So much of the team's efficiency was tied up in Devonta Adams, but it's just the question remains, like, can you recreate some of that with the players that they have? I think so. Can you can you recreate explosives like without Devonta Adams in the field? They showed a little bit of that with the pony packages they were bringing out with having A.J. Dillon in the backfield, split Aaron Jones out wide, have him run down the seam. You can throw it to him. Sammy Watkins. Let's assume that he stays healthy, but even when Sammy Watkins was healthy in Kansas City. Can we City, assume that? Let's be we real. can, at least for right now, he's still healthy. Okay. He's still healthy right. for right now. Sure. But when he was yep. still in Kansas City, like he was the highlight of one of their playoff runs, like, and he was like one of their deep threats. So he can be that. And what about the guys from the slot? Robert Tunyon is on his way back. We've already seen Romeo Dubs can be, I mean, Randall Cobb, even his older age, like he can be a guy that can be like at least a short intermediate pass catcher so that they can recreate functions of what Devonte adams was like for the team and with how well matt lafleur and nathaniel hackett before he left for denver like how well they construct the offense i think from an efficiency standpoint that like they should be okay so like i understand why people are have been hesitant to draft aaron Rodgers, but at the same time i'm still one of those people that's willing to bet on a back-to-back -back mvp candidate or mvp winner uh, especially considering, I mean, Al Lazard's fine. The two running backs are fine. So like everything else, you know, at the, at the start is fine. It's just all the rest of the stuff behind it that we have some questions about and I'm willing to bet on him. All right. He was, he was higher than Patrick Mahomes in fantasy points per game last year. Yeah. doesn't surprise me. I guess we, we kind of went over most of the pass catchers. Brandon, you have anything to say about Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon? I mean, they're both, pricey i mean it, well aaron jones is is kind of slides i i have a lot of aaron jones i mean i i think that uh i i'm buying the somewhat dip i mean he's sliding sometimes to um, you know almost the end of the second round yeah. um, in some drafts and i'm all about that aj dylan has risen in the last couple you know i was just on a pod earlier where i was talking about how aj dylan and pollard used to kind of be side by side and now aj dylan's like a round and a half almost two rounds above pollard oh, and i just don't that. yeah i just I, I find that interesting and i find that kind of strange i i would rather i feel like there's more upside with pollard than there is with with aj dylan um but that's just you know based on pollard being in the slot and whatnot i don't know i just i'm not sure what we're going to get from dylan because we have a different we have a different uh regime as far as you know like you said coaching Hackett's gone it's different um how do you feel about either of those guys brandon are you, are I, you... I i'm with you i liked dylan better when i was picking between him and pollard and kareem hunt and guys like right. that now i'm picking between him and cam Akers and Jimmy yeah Robbins, and that's uh -huh. harder uh yeah. but i like him uh, i think that you know, we talk about who's going to replace Devontae Adams. I think a lot of that's going to be Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones is going to take a an even bigger role in the passing game, and I think that's going to leave some more rushing production for A.J. Dillon. So I actually think both players could be better than they were last year, uh, which should make them good. But, yeah, Dillon, I liked him much better when he was a round or two later. Uh, but buying both of them, at least to some extent. I, I love stacking Green Bay Packers in best ball, and, and I love grabbing him in redraft too because you can get – you could get Dalvin Cook in the first, Aaron Jones in the second, and then later get Adam Thielen and Alan Lazard, and later get Aaron Rodgers and uh, and Kirk Cousins, and then still mm -hmm. get Robert Tunyon and uh, and Irv Smith. It's a ridiculously cheap way to stack a uh, Week yep. Seventeen correlation game. So I have I have several best ball rosters with all of that. Yeah. I do too. I have a lot of Aaron Rodgers because, like we said, it, it's it's just cheap. You get Jones, and then you can get Aaron way later, and then you can get everybody. I mean, even if you skip Dylan at this point because he's a little pricey all those pass catchers are super cheap and Tunyon, people are sleeping on him too i think they're concerned about the injury thing um but yeah i think we've pretty much covered the packers should we move yep. on to the next yeah go ahead chris you want to take the next one yeah so uh so the vikings so what out with the old in terms of like their boomer coach beforehand i mean they bring in <laughs> bring in kevin o'connell 
they also have, if I remember correctly, what's the guy's name? Wes Phillips as their offensive coordinator. So a lot of Rams. I mean, Sean McVay disciples uh, coming over to Minnesota. So my expectation going into this, more plays. I mean, they're going to be up in pace, more passing. They were back into the league, what, bottom seven, bottom eight in terms of pass rate over expectation. All good things for Kirk Cousins. But, I mean, Brandon, do you believe in Kirk Cousins? Like, can he, if given the volume, if we let Cousins cook, can he actually be a worthwhile fantasy quarterback? Or did the, did he need the structure in order not screw up and completely, you know, throw, throw away the game like for all of us? Yeah, yeah. You know, I had a friend um, named uh, Shmali, I'm just going to say. Um, and I, I love this person wonderfully, right? And this person, as an adult, is very reliable, I'm certain. Shmali, and, and like, that is such a random thing to it's, just... It's not a real name, right? No, I understand that. But, okay. like, the fact yeah. that you just pulled out Shmali, you know, yeah. like... Well, it might be Molly, Jen, but... Oh! <laughs> I was thinking something else completely, like, so, I don't know. But when Molly was a teenager, right, or Shmolly, as it goes, when Shmolly was a teenager, um, she was somebody who, if she said she was going to be somewhere, it was about a 60% chance she'd be there, right? If she said she might be somewhere, it was about a 20% chance uh, she'd be there, right? And I, it was always uh, a little unnerving, but you got to know her, and you figured it out, and you could get her tone and all that. And so you'd be like, do you count on Molly? And I'll be like, I count on Molly to be Molly, right? right. I count on Molly to be Molly. I know the types of things that she's very uh, much going to be there for. I know the things that she's not. I know that I can't count on her to not bail on me, right? And I feel like Kirk Cousins is that way. I trust Kirk Cousins to be Kirk Cousins. I don't think he's going to be better than Kirk Cousins. I don't think he's going to be worse than Kirk Cousins. I don't think he's going to carry my team, but I think he's going to be just fine especially two quarterback formats. If he's my second quarterback, I'm pretty psyched in best ball formats. If I pair him up with somebody else that's being drafted right around the same territory, like a Derek Carr, like an Eric Rod and Aaron Rodgers, I'm very excited about that. Uh, don't want him anchoring my team. Super happy to trust him to be Kirk cousins. Yeah. And I think that's the right way to go about it. Now there are plenty of positives to go into a situation, but in, this is all in the first year of him being with Kevin O'Connell, West Phillips being Kevin O'Connell, what former quarterback himself now turned head coach. So at least there, at least some, uh, I would say at least some familiarity with how O'Connell would probably want to help like design the offense. And then what Kirk cousins would want to do as a quarterback as an established, like veteran quarterback in the NFL, Kevin O'Connell, also the quarterbacks coach in 2017 for the Washington football team. I forget who the starting quarterback was. Maybe that's a connection. I don't know, <laughs> but it just, there's enough there in order for cousins to at least be comfortable in this switch. I know in a couple of times, like in a couple of cases, like let's think about uh, Russell Wilson with Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. A lot of the, I mean, there's some uncertainty with how those two those two folks are supposed to mesh conceptually, but at least with O'Connell and Cousins, this could be a marriage like that could work out like right from the start. Just given their connections, given the like the types of things that they do, and the even the types of jobs that like they've had in the past, I mean, it could actually wind up you know be working out like for the two of them. But if we don't care about Kirk Cousins, I know that everybody cares about Justin Jefferson. I mean, the kid had back-to-back -back years, like with 1,400 uh, passing yards, not passing yards, but receiving yards or more. I mean, Cooper Cup is probably everybody's like wide receiver one for right now, but the kid just had like over 1,600 like receiving yards last year. So it's like ridiculous season, right? So it's it's not that much of a leap to say that Justin Jefferson could be this year's like wide receiver one. It shouldn't be that much of a stretch to say that especially given the upgrades to the offense, at least what we think to be the upgrades to the offense. But Jen, do you think about Justin Jefferson like in that way? Do you think yeah. of him as the, as the wide receiver one or are you just yeah, like he's, no Cooper Cup like all the way? No, he's my wide receiver one. I take yeah. him above Cup. I take him above Cup in underdog and I, I would take him above Cup in redraft as well. Um, I, I, I'm just a fan. I think he's phenomenal. And I think Cup, you know, I, I don't know. I'm a little concerned about, about Stafford's elbow. You got A-Rob. There's just, there's things there that make me feel like that, uh, you know, Cup had obviously a very ridiculous career year. And I just don't know that that's going to happen again. So I'm all in on Jefferson as my one. It's a fair, I mean, again, I would just say it's fair to look at Justin Jefferson, what he's done. I mean, he's younger than Cup. 
done it more like done exactly well not exactly what cup has done nobody's done what cup has done but at least been very productive as a receiver multiple years like since he's been in the league so i think that's fair but who's behind him we got adam Thielen still kicking around being one of the most efficient wide receivers like once again to the red zone all the dude does is catch touchdowns and then kj osborne you guys drafting kj osborne just feels like almost like the Josh Palmer craze right now for finding a cheap wide receiver attached to what we think to be a good offense. I mean, Brandon, you've been taking KJ Osborne a bit. Sure. Yeah. Why not? He's cheap. Um, he's the third receiver there. That team's going to pass. Adam Thielen's not exactly an iron man is getting into his mid thirties at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. Sure. I like KJ Osborne and I like Irv Smith happy with Irv Smith. Uh, yep. where he's being taken. He's another one. I talked about those uh, tight ends. Uh, I'll call them the ugh, tight ends, right? The tight ends that are after <laughs> the ones I actually like. Just like the uh, Irv Smith. Yeah, Irv yeah. Smith, another guy right in there with uh, David Njoku, a player with a lot of upside. I don't mind if I'm platooning three tight ends on a roster. Uh, gambling on Irv Smith at his cost is very, very low cost and just hoping one of those guys hits. Yeah, and I think now looking at the fact that, what, BC Johnson just tore his ACL like over the mm -hmm. weekend, it would make some oh. more sense that... KJ yeah. Osborne now is just like a larger part of mm -hmm. the passing offense for, for this season. So, I mean, Jen, you went on Osborne too? Yeah, you know, I kind of forgot about him. I took him a lot earlier this summer, and then I kind of pivoted and ended up kind of taking more Palmer when it gets to that point. Um, so I do have some shares, but I need to kind of get back in and get back get a little more Osborne back into the portfolio because I do have some, but I don't think I have enough. I kind of laid off, and now I need to go back. You know, we all get like spotty, right? You get super into someone and you draft them in every draft and you're like, oh crap, I got to stop drafting this guy. Right. And then you kind of get... Deontay Foreman. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see, like, it'll just be, I'll be drafting a guy for a while. I'll stop. But then all of a sudden I'll just see people talking about it on Twitter and they'll see the right. clips and preseason highlights. I'm like, oh, I haven't drafted him in a and while. And then you go look at your exposure and you think yeah. you have so much. And then you're like, oh, it's like Pickens, unfortunately. I was drafting so much of him earlier in the summer that I had to make myself stop because I'm like, oh my God, he's on Pittsburgh. I need to stop. Like their quarterback situation is horrible and then now yeah. all of a sudden he's all the rage again and i'm like well at least i got him cheap but yeah. i don't i don't have the exposure that i thought i did so well it's kind of like the jamal williams thing like once like hard knocks like started and everyone's like oh jamal williams he's just like the absolute king everybody should be drafting he's like oh yeah i've been drafting him quite a bit and then i looked at my exposures like You're oh like, yeah oh, maybe not but maybe i thought i, should, I did <laughs> yeah. maybe we should hop in a few more best ball mania threes or whatever but speaking yes. of lines jen tell us yes. why are we going to restore the roar this season uh, you know, we say this every, I, I mean, we all like the lions are that team that everyone wants to see, you know, do well. Right. I mean, no yeah. one hates the lions. They're just like this team that you want to see do well and you hope they do well. Um, I actually believe it or not, have not watched any hard knocks. So, um, I haven't seen any of it, so I'm not sure what's going on with there, but, um, as far as the lions in general, I personally would like to see them do well. And I mean, golf is a guy that I feel like I've been drafting in, not in redraft. I don't think he's, he, I don't think he's really an option in redraft. I think there's just a lot of better options out there sure. unless it's a two QB redraft or a super flex. Um, but in best ball, I mean, we talk about cheap stacks. It's like, there you go. Right. I mean, after Hawkinson and I'm going to say Brown, but you know, you can get shark super cheap. I mean, a lot of these guys are, I don't know. I just feel like you can get them cheap and they're easy at the end. And, you know, it's a super easy correlation with the bears because they're all cheap, right. For that week 17 correlation. So, um, yeah, so that's golf. Um, I don't know if we really need to talk about golf. Anyone else really needs to give an opinion on golf. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just talked about Jamal Williams a little bit swift. We actually talked about kind of earlier in the podcast. Um, you know, he's a, I like swift. I hope he stays healthy. Uh, he's really good on that, you know, that one-two turn. I feel like in PPR leagues and half PPR leagues, he's a guy that uh, I think we're all pretty high on, right? I mean, we're all we're all down with Swift, yes. Okay, yes, ma'am. All right, let's keep moving. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about. I mean, listen, one thing we should probably talk about: Amon Ross St. Brown, right? He's kind of a, a polarizing guy because some people are super in, you know, based on his end of season last year. Some people are like, there's no way he can do that again. It was a circumstantial perfect storm for that guy to get what he got. Uh, Brandon, do you have any thoughts on Amonro St. Brown? Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle, right? I kind of split the difference on him. I like him, and I think he's got a role, and he plays the slot, which is something that Jared Goff historically likes to target. Now, of course, Jared Goff had a lot of Cooper Cup during uh, his Rams days when he was targeting the slot position and he played primarily there. So that is a factor, but I do think that Goff likes to hit the slot receiver. I think that's kind of, he likes those shorter pass patterns and Amon Ra can get open, which I like, uh, but I do look at the splits and the splits with Amon Ra and TJ Hawkinson, both on the field are not as good as when they, 
you know, when Hawkinson got hurt and Amon Ra got all those tons of targets. So I think that he's going to be good. He's going to progress. And I think that what he developed with Goff at the end of last season will carry over to make him better than he was the first half of last season. But I think that with Hawkinson and even like DJ Chark there, and taking up targets, and later in the season, Jamison Williams, I don't think we're going to see Ahmed Ra with double-digit targets on a weekly basis. I think that's fair, and I think that's uh, I think that should wrap up our Lions analysis. Um, <laughs> we've got what well, we still have one more team, and we're at an hour. So, who wants to that's take true. on the Bears? That's true. I'll talk. I'll, I'll I'll lead Bears. There's not a whole right. lot of Bears talk to go. Um, let's start. Well, you're with not Justin. you're not building the Justin Fields uh, bust outside of the uh, stadium. I, I will say he looked pretty good this weekend, but uh, and I'm rooting for him. I actually really like Justin Fields. Seems like a good kid, and I like his talent. Uh, I hope that the coaching staff makes a difference. Chris, quarterback guy, man, Justin Fields, is he a target for us right now? He's uh, he's not cheap. He's in that Aaron Rodgers territory. So you you need to pick, hoping on that Konami code. Like I said, a speculative buy right now because he hasn't produced and he was downright awful at times last year. Are you buying Justin Fields where you have to get him? No, I, I can't. Yeah. It's just, it's too difficult for me to wind up doing it. And I'm, I'm trying to like twist myself into understanding why the bears new front office decided to go the route that they did regarding. I mean, I get the fact that they have just a ton of just like horrific contracts that they need to let expire <laughs> so they can actually, you know, have a functional uh, roster for next season. I get that, but they knew that they had a franchise quarterback. They knew they had a franchise quarterback draft in the first round, so they need to have some sort of evaluation on them and how are you supposed to do that when the first year they weren't even a part, like this new regime wasn't even in the office, and now the second year, how are you going to evaluate him now with this offensive line like sitting there in front of him? Uh, I mean, it has to be one of the worst units in the league like from top to bottom, and if there's – and even still, the pass catchers associated with it. Darnell Mooney is okay. But then after that, Byron Pringle, Velas Jones. I mean, it's just, what are we doing? Like, how do we even try and implement any sort of creative offensive scheme around these guys that are, I mean, essentially what, like, juiced up versions of, like, Alan Lazard, if you want to, like, you know, toss it a comparison in there. I mean, might be good run blockers. So if that's what you wanted to do, but the offensive line can't block. So... In the preseason, he looks okay. I can see at least the the makings of Justin Fields at least adjusting protections and being able to actually make some of the pre-snap reads that he should be as a second-year quarterback. So his development is coming along. But will it actually translate into fantasy production that we can use as fantasy managers? With that pass-catching group and with the offensive line in front of him, it makes it very difficult in order to see that happening. So unless he takes, you know, takes everything into his own hands and he rushes for a bunch. But even then, it's volatile at best. I mean, that's like Daniel Jones rookie season like type of situation. Yeah. So, and not really what we saw him do last year. Right, like we, we didn't see him do. We saw him trying to throw, which obviously is something we usually uh, allowed a quarterback for, right? Like, yeah. like, oh yeah, he's keeping his eyes downfield and all that. But from a fantasy perspective, we want that rushing production. Uh, Jen. I'm a big Khalil Herbert fan. I, I like David Montgomery too in that way that you like soup, right? Like it's it's fine, it's hearty, it'll get you by, but I don't get excited about it. David Montgomery's that way. He's like he's like a soup running back for me. I uh, love Khalil Herbert, love the talent. I loved him going into that draft. I was excited for him. Uh, how are you approaching this backfield at ADP and redraft formats? I like soup. I get excited about certain soups. Yeah, I um, like soup, but it's it's like documentaries for me. Like like I, I'll sit and enjoy and watch it, but if you say do you want to watch a documentary, I'll never be like, yeah, that sounds great. Like it's never. See, it's I, never that I, way. I like documentaries too. But all right, okay. oh, se separate issue. Um, as far as the the Bears backfield, um, I am not taking David Montgomery. I just there's just other players at that ADP I'd rather have. Khalil Herbert, absolutely. He's a guy that we like. We just talked about five minutes ago where I had to back off because I had a lot of him earlier on in the summer and then I stopped taking him. And now I should probably go back and, and grab a little bit more uh, as we go on. But you know, that uh, I don't know, that whole bears offense is just a little bit scary to invest too much in. So Khalil Herbert might be one of the only guys other than Cole Komet um, is, is someone that I am willing to roll the dice on, but he is getting a little pricey too. I mean, not he is. Too, yeah. he's uh, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of, getting into the, in, you know, it's the realization that he might be the only, you know, I mean, Mooney's there too, but as far as targets, he might get a lot. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have been kind of sliding over to the commit. Like, you know, when you're punting tight end, there he is. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
I, I agree. Yeah, Komet, uh, he's he's going above uh, the Pat Fryermuth of the world now. He's, yeah, he's definitely stepped is... up into that territory. So uh, we, you know, Chris covered Mooney real well. Uh, I think he's accurately priced. Let's do a yes or no on this. Jen, uh, Mooney, just adequately priced? Yeah, okay. sure. Yeah, I, I think so too. He's, uh, you know, in that tier of receivers that, that you know, he works out real well there. Okay, uh, let's mercifully end this episode. It's a great episode. Uh, we did a little more than an hour, but I think we covered it okay. Uh, feel free to tweet at us. We love talking about this stuff. We'd be happy to chat with you if we didn't go over a player that you wanted us to. Chris Jen, always a pleasure. Uh, listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks for checking us out. And uh, oh, I should mention new show. Uh, next week, uh, Monday will not be us. It'll be a completely different show. Tuesday, we'll be along to talk streamers, and we'll stick with you all season, in-season content, every Tuesday night. Uh, so the episode will probably drop Wednesday mornings. I think we're doing a live It's going to be live, yeah. It'll yeah. be live. So Tuesday check nights. us out. Interact with us. We'll be talking streamers. So we'll be talking those streaming positions uh, to help you get ready each week right before your waiver wire ends. So check us out. Uh, that's going to start next week, Tuesday, September 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so thanks again for checking us out. Have a good day.